Ronananian. I like that quiet time in a repair shop. And it, it pops up at the oddest hours when you least expect it. And sometimes it's not at the end of the day. Sometimes it's dang right in the middle of the afternoon. Well, she got her daddy's car and she cruised through the hamburger stand now. See, she forgot all about the library like she told her old man now. And with the radio blast and goes cruising just as fast as she can now. And she'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes a The car doctor. If your gut tells you, yeah, I don't think I want to get married and have kids with this person, and chances are you probably don't want them working on your car either. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in and sit down. This is Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. We are on another Car Doctor road trip here this hour at the Wild Hot Rod Weekend at the Dead Man's Curve Association out here in Mawa, New Jersey, the Mawa Sheridan. And uh, I got to tell you, I am starstruck. It's, it's, it's the cars. It's the people. It's the people that I am interviewing last hour, this hour. The gentleman to my right, Rick Door, Rick Door Customs. I am blown away by the five-minute education I have just gotten about coach building, and I'm hoping to bring that to you here on air today, among other things, among other guests that we're going to have. Rick, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, it's, it's great to be here. Um, you know, as I said during our pre-show conversation, to call you a body man is an insult. That's not what you do. You're you're a, you're a, you're a jewelry maker in the world of automobiles. Um, if, if you are going to explain what you do to my mom, who's well, let's just say she's over sweet sixteen, and I know she listens to the show every day, how would you explain a coach built car to her? Well, the easiest way to for me, uh, I can articulate as best as I can. Back in the day, I'm talking the 20s, the 30s, when you bought, say, for instance, a Delahaye, you bought a chassis. Two frame rails with the seat, a firewall, and a drivetrain, the engine and transmission, obviously the four wheels. And you took that Delahaye to a coach builder, a guy who specifically built bodies like Fagoni and Falashi, Chaperone, Sauchek, all of the famous French coach builders. Speaking of French cars here, right. same difference. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, they've been my biggest inspiration. If you look at any of the history of my cars, I've, they've always been pretty much French inspired. But that would be. Uh, the way you bought even a Rolls-Royce, the Maharajas in India. They went to England before England got hip to them and put their own dealership there. And they would go and order a chassis. The wheelbase, say it was 124 inches, they would get a drive line with the drive shaft and a firewall. The firewall was strictly for location, throttle, pedal, blah, blah, whatever. And then build around that. And they would take that, Delahaye or Rolls-Royce, and bring it to a coach builder like Chaperone or Fagoni and Falashi or Sauchek or, you know, there was a million of them back then. And, and that's what you're doing now. You're coach building cars today on your design and your inspiration. Well, you know, I got to a point with the custom cars, which I love first and foremost next to my family. Uh, I, I love cars. But I was getting burned out on doing the Mercuries and the Cadillacs, and we were doing some pretty cool stuff for a while, a number of years. But uh, I, I was introduced to Marcel, who's 87 now. Uh, Marcel's world famous. Uh, 
He's a metal shaper. He's from Belgium. He came over here in 1963. He did a lot of the early Boyd cars, for instance, the French Connection, the What the Hay. Only now he's slowing down, and uh, we've done six. We're on our sixth car right now in four years. Six car in four years. In four years. Coach built, where I brought him the chassis. At my shop, we do the chassis, the suspension, the wheels, tires, whatever, the back spacing. And we take that to Marcel. And we have a scale drawing that's blown up to scale. And you can take the fender that he has just shaped. Say it's in 13 pieces and it's all taped together. You can take that full fender and hold it up to the scale drawing. And it's exact. They do it in stations. Wow. And there's 18 stations. The car's just under 18 feet. Now, where do you find the craftspeople to do all this metal shaping and, and to fabricate today? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's an issue, right? Yeah, yeah, good question. You know, for me, uh, and not to knock any of the current coach builders, but Marcel has done so many cars that uh, he could run circles around most of the coach builders that I'm aware of. He knows where to put the stanchion, to mount the hinges, to get the doors to open and close. Everything's tight. I mean, it's incredible. You see the bodies. You don't even realize what's under the bodies, the cowling, the inner structure. Right. That's all got to be built first. Right. I mean, I was looking at, at some of the pictures you were showing us before, and I can't express it here on air, obviously. But it's it's like yeah. jewelry. It's it's yes. take the nicest piece of jewelry in, in, yeah. in your jewelry box, the nicest watch you ever saw, the movement, the quartz, the whole, and that's what these cars are. It's 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 almost like you want to wear them on your wrist as a as as a piece of decoration. Well, it, it is art, isn't it? Yeah, I it, mean, it really is. It is, um, and uh, I'm just very fortunate. Uh, I have somewhat of a good eye, and what I've taken with these current 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 cars is. Taking French styling and giving an American attitude, now, a new American attitude. Now, much you, more aggressive, lower, longer. Do you think? Do the car companies pay attention to guys like you for styling and design? Yes. And then, do you pay attention to them? Is it a, is it a back and forth reciprocity? Uh, you know, I, the, the only thing that really gets my attention in the way of newer cars in Detroit are the concept cars. And then. And, and from After that, that, it's pretty flat for me. Yeah. Um, Although I love Ford trucks. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not banging on anything yeah. American. I'm a just saying. Any, anything you, know. you anything you can share share with us that you've had influence on recently in terms of uh, domestic car companies or? or, or? Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know how many years it's go uh, it's been, but I did a car called the Tangerine Dream. It was a '36 Ford five window we turned into a. Uh, uh, a two-door Carson-topped car. There, it really was incredible for its time. The, I got to say, the car was beautiful, and uh, we did some vents in the hood sides that were open. I styled something in the opening. I took welding rod and I shaped the opening that I wanted. The, 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 I got. I just got to jump in. The pause you just took. The listeners had to see the look in your eyes when you just about the vents. The, inst the light went on in your head. It was like I was watching you yeah. get inspired wow. about doing wow. the vent all over wow. again. Yeah. I felt that magical moment when you said, we're going to put a vent and a row of vents down this side of the car. I could feel it. Well, it was that. that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that really is. So um, I'm coming across well. Yeah, you're coming across well. <laughs> but, but, but the inspiration, yeah. you can see it. It's, yeah. it's you look at this automotive landscape out in front of us, and that's your inspiration. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, it is. So continue. So uh, the piece of welding rod and you made the vent? Yeah, I took welding rod. I bent the shape that I wanted cut open in the hood side. And I took another cardboard pad and I just made this spear. It had a peak on it. And it did look cool. Uh, I think it was three years later, we seen the identical spear. And I believe it was on a BMW. So I think... Uh, it's a give and take. I'm not an educated designer. I didn't graduate at the School of Design in Burbank right, or Glendale. Right, yeah. You know, I'm pretty much a street person, just like everyone else. Yeah. And uh, I think they take because that's their next step. Most of those guys aren't going to be doing what, we're, what I'm doing. Right. They're not going to be. They're going to be an executive Im at Ford or Im God knows where. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We've all done it. Yeah. And it's and I, and I guess that's okay. Um, what's next for Rick Dorr? What's next? Uh, SEMA is the next big show we'll be doing. We'll be bringing out three brand new cars there. Uh, we were going to wait, and there's four new cars that nobody has seen uh, that are done. What, what one isn't? One's getting posted right now. But regardless, they'll be at SEMA. Uh, they'll be in the Atlas Copco booth, and uh, the Black Pearl will be in the Atlas Cop uh, Copco booth. And I'll have the new Champagne car. Uh, that's similar to the Aquarius, but radically different yet. Uh, but the same length, lowness, removable liftoff top. Very elegant uh, with an attitude. That'll be in the Grand Lobby. And the coupe, I'm not sure where the coupe and the other car is going to be yet. Oh, oh, Coke Tire Booth. Oh, Coke Tire okay. Booth. Cool beans. Well, if anybody's out of SEMA, that's coming up the first week November. That's right. Uh, early November. That's so, right. Um, Rick, an absolute pleasure. If the listeners want to go and, and, and see any of your concepts and Maybe somebody wants to order a coach built from you. What's the waiting list now? You never know. You never know. What's, what's, well, what is the waiting list? I'm just curious. It's got to be a while. I can say this. <laughs> I can say this. It's a while, but people aren't kicking in the doors. Right. It's very unique to do one of those cars. And, uh, you know, they cost a lot of money. There. It's, it's okay. time and more time. Good stuff costs money. I, I, listen, right. I hit the lottery. You're the first guy I'm going to call. Well, so. I'll be waiting for that call. All right, man. Thank you very much, Rick Thor. Of absolute pleasure. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. And we are back with more from DMC Wild Hot Rod Weekend, Mawa, New Jersey, right after this. Car Doctor, live with the Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Weekend here in Mawa, New Jersey at the Sheridan. Our next guest, well, let me tell you, he is the nephew of George Barris and Lambros Facilio. We're sitting here talking to him off air, and he is a fountain of information about George and all that's going on and who the real George Barris was and his legacy, and I'm proud to have him here with me on the Car Doctor today. Lambros, um, let's talk a little bit about George Barris. Um, we, were, we were continuing, let's continue the conversation we were having off air for the listeners, um, you know, where was that moment, if we can go back, where was that moment where George Barris became George Barris? Well, uh, thanks for having me on your show today. I just wanted to clarify, I'm not blood-related to George. I mean, he would call me his nephew, his nephew from New York, and that's how he introduced me to people in, uh, for like the last, I'd say, 12, 13 years. Um, just as Tony Wood 
is his, uh, I guess people would consider his spiritual son. Right. I was considered his nephew from New York is how people came to know me. Right. Well, I, I think working in his shop, you worked side by side with George, right? Well, we worked on a couple of projects together. Yeah. Um, I did work on his personal Batmobile for him. I did uh, some work on Dragula. Right. You were the guy that actually put the radio in, um, was it, did you put the radio in the Monster Coach or the Dragula? Um, I did the electrical system over and the uh, stereo system over and added some new tricks to the Batmobile that George uses to tour around the country. Wow, crazy stuff. So where was that moment in your mind? Where, where did George Barris become George Barris? Well, as a young kid, um, I'm 44 years old. I, uh, all the kids in the neighborhood used to work on their own cars back then. It wasn't like, you know, tinkering and hot rodding was still alive and well in America. It wasn't like the iPod age yet. So... Kids would fix their own cars, a lot of Chevelles, Barracudas, and Trans Ams, and whatnot, and what have you. So, uh, working on cars at a young age with all the neighborhood kids. Then, obviously, Batman it was uh, in syndication back then, uh, when we were children. Then, 1982 comes rolling around, and uh, the show Knight Rider comes on the air. And sure. blown away. You know, right, yeah. A, a car that could drive by itself and do all these neat tricks. And if they wait four more years, we're going to see more of that, um, right, with self-driving cars. So look how far ahead Knight Rider was and George was with that concept, right, with the idea of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, we look at some of George's earlier work, like the Bing Crosby cart and uh, Elvis's limo, and you see a television in it in the 50s and a shoe buffer and convenience items that, you know, a bar... Right. A shoe buffer, a hair dryer, a, a telephone, a television. That was all back in the 50s. And the innovation, like just like Star Trek with the Motorola flip phone, the same innovations that George had back in the day... Um, are coming to life today. Are coming to life. But uh, uh, Michael Chaffee designed the dashboard on kit. And um, the original Knight Rider design and layout was done by the Universal Studios uh, prop department. And, uh, well, actually, the original work wasn't done by the prop department. Um, the, the work was done off-studio, so they wouldn't have to waste all the money on union uh, payroll. But after the initial batch of cars that Pontiac had delivered, pilot cars that were built and Pontiac delivered to uh, the production crew of Knight Rider, all the process vehicles were built by the Barris shop. And at the time, Jay Orberg worked with George Barris. And um, and a lot of the greats, Dick Dean. Uh, then later on, Dick Dean went to open up his own shop as well with his son. God rest his soul, he was a good man. And these guys were old-school fabricators. They worked with metal, minimal use of Bondo and fiberglass and composites. I mean, they weren't as prevalent then. Right, as sure, yeah. You made something. You used an English wheel, and you went about your business. You know... You were with George, I guess, in, in the latter years, right? I mean, I guess the golden... What, what was the golden age of George Barris and George Barris Customs, the 50s and the 60s? I don't know, because I wasn't around in the 50s and 60s. Right. But I could tell you... You were there was, in the 80s. Well, I was there in the 70s and 80s and right. the car culture. I mean, and then I would say, look at the Chrysler 300. There was a movie, The Car, that came out in the late 70s, a really, really bad movie with James Rowland. It's almost a cult classic. If you squint your eyes, you see a Chrysler 300. Right. You look at the car he did for um, Fireball 500 with an F on a cello and yeah, Frank sure. Avalon. Yeah. You look at that car, you see a, you see some of the like a, almost like a 69 charge or or what 
the Barracuda turned into because I think the early Barracudas weren't nearly as uh, appealing as the later uh, Barracudas and challenges. But for all the naysayers, and George had some, and we disagree with that, no argument there, he was still George Barris. Something made that connection that Universal came to him and said, hey, give us this car, make this concept, bring this to life. And he did. He did the impossible. Well, here's the situation. I've heard in our industry, everybody will, let's talk about George Barris as a man. I mean, I mean, maybe that's more relevant in his later years. You would think he'd have a lot of pomp and a lot of ego. Here I am meeting George. I know him like the last 15 years I was close to him. Close enough that when he would come to visit us in New York, he would stay at my home. Right. And eat at my table and sleep right. at my house. Now, here's a man that was friends with Frank Sinatra. Dean Martin, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis. All they, the, they all came to George. All came to George. And yet he was humble. What drove him, what motivated him, was seeing people smile. That was his fuel. The man would not stop. I mean, I was a lot younger than him. I still am a lot younger than him, let's say. And he would almost outpace anybody who'd run around with him because he just... One more signature, one more autograph, one more car. One here more here was a guy building cars for the stars, and you told a story, if you just touch upon it real quick, that one of his nieces, or one of the nieces that you're with here today, they, um, to uh, bring George to school for oh, show and oh, tell? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, what was that about? Okay, uh, one morning my, uh, my wife had to take uh, my daughter to school. Right. So George wanted to sleep in a little bit. He was tired from the flight in. So, we're talking at the breakfast table, and they go, uh, so what are you guys doing now? Oh, we're going to take uh, Linda, my daughter Linda, to uh, kindergarten. So George goes, oh, that's pretty fun. I said, hey, George, I got a question for you. Why don't we uh, go visit the kids and see, you know, if we can inspire some of them? He's like, oh, absolutely. So here's George Barris sitting down in front of, say, 20 kids, everybody in awe, listening to every word, getting their attention, and... I said to George, I said, I really thank you. He goes, no, 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 don't thank me. He goes, if one kid out of these 20 kids sitting here is inspired to pick up a piece of paper and draw, inspired to create and to be creative, then I've done my job as a human being. How great is that, right? I mean, to take George Barris to show and tell, I, I well, let me tell you. Lambros, absolute pleasure, sir. We're glad to have you here on The Car Doctor. We'll do this again in the future. And uh, we'll be talking more about George Barris and his custom cars. I'm sure we're going to contact you again at a later date. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, live at the Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Weekend here at the Sheridan Crossroads in Mawa, New Jersey. Hey, we must be on for the air for a while now. I can kind of say that in one breath. I'm getting the hang of it. Mike Kiki is all the way over to the right-hand side. Say hello, Mike. Hello, there. Yeah, there you go. Hello, Air. Um, it's quiet out there, Mike. Where's where's all the, the wagons aren't circling anymore? It's, uh, it's, it's a lull. Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
folks are out relaxing and just, you know, they, every once in a while they'll take a spin around and get a sort of a train of cars running around yeah, here. And, uh, and it's just nice to see the variety and the different colors and so on. And, 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 of course, the sound of these engines. Yeah, just rolling by. Well, I'll tell you what, there's there, there's no shortage of talent here at the Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Weekend. And uh, my next guest, uh, one Rob Ida, Rob Ida Concepts, robidaconcepts.com. Um, uh, welcome aboard, sir. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Mike. Um, that that, and I'm going to show my ignorance for a second because I can't keep track of all the cars. There is a blue concept car inside that's yours. The headlight went this way, and the hood goes that way, right. and everything is hand machined. Right. And, uh, again, another piece of jewelry. Thank um, you. What, what what is that? Well, it's not my car. I built it for a client, Jack Kiley in New Jersey. He's a, a, an avid car collector, and um, and he's a, he's a, a patron of the art. So he comes to, to us. And he says, you know, I'd love, I'd love to have a Merc, a 40 Merc. And I've seen a lot of custom 40 Mercs over the years. But what can we do that's a little different? So we, we took a little different angle. And um, what we did was we, we looked at the Merc and we decided that, based on the history that we know, Etzel Ford brought the Mercury to the, um, to the Ford line. And he was trying to bring a little bit more uh, style and, and, um, and, and, you know, just a higher, a higher level car to the right. Ford Motor Company. So when he built that car, after he made the convertible, Henry then stepped in and said, okay, now you have to use these 38 Ford uh, leftover roofs that we have, and the trunk has to be big enough for bushel baskets and all these things. So we look at that as a compromise and not exactly what uh, E.T. Gregory, the designer, and Etzel Ford had in mind when they were trying to build the car. So we said, all right, what if Etzel didn't, didn't have to deal with those parameters and was able to build a car for the uh, Paris Auto Show in 1940? He would have maybe gone to a coach builder in Europe and had them build a one-off car. And so what we've done here, my team and, I, and myself, is built a car that, in my mind, could have represented a, uh, a one-off coach-built Mercury uh, for the Paris Auto Show in 1940. So we've done that for Jack. So when, when you look at the car, there's techniques that are there that you don't see often today, but if you do go to, like, Pebble Beach Concours or something like that, you might see those techniques and some of that hardware built into those cars so we try to we try to step away from maybe the traditional custom world a little bit and look more toward the coach build stuff what do you drive every day i can't imagine you walking in and buying a car off the showroom no i don't actually uh, i i every day of my life i drive either a hot rod or a porsche i'm a porsche guy too so every day i'm driving something that excites me i have a little commute to work and i and i make sure that i i enjoy it so every day is either a porsche or a hot rod i mean the look in your eyes and the way you talk about cars and, and what you see in the lines and the flow and the way things connect uh, you know, it's you're like an interior decorator of automobiles in a sense. You just kind of put everything together and make it work. Well, I don't try to force my my ideas or my designs onto something. I only try to solve problems. So if, like, for instance, this 40 Merc, in my mind, had a lot of design flaws and a lot of room for improvement. So I didn't go at it just with the idea of I'm going to make this thing my own and I'm going to cut it up and I'm going to weld and I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. I only looked at it and, and removed the parts that I found offensive and found a way to solve those, those uh, design challenges. Now, if you brought me a 39 Ford, for instance, 
I consider that car perfectly designed. So if you brought me a 39 Ford to build, I, I wouldn't do anything to it. I would just leave oh, the body perfectly alone because that didn't need any help. So this car needed help, and I think that um, we, oh. went, we went about it in a very calculated manner and looked at it as, uh, okay, remove that part because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work for the next piece. How can we make that part look better? And, and that's, that's, the, that's the approach we take when we customize a car. We, we restyle it, and we do everything that uh, we feel is in improvement not just a change for the sake of a change right now now when it comes to making these changes and the way that you go about that the tooling that you use you were talking before we went on air about a power hammer now my my spies tell me that it took you a while to find your power hammer how would you explain what a power hammer is um if you would to everybody and and just what exactly does it do for example and i'll i'll, I'll continue my question my 55 Chevy's out in front of us. We were talking before about the fenders and how they're complex curves and GM. It took a while to stamp them, and it took a long time for them to be reproduced within the last 10 years. And you're, you had a great example of that compared to the power hammer, if you could relate that story. Sure. Well, you know, you can, you can shape a piece of sheet metal with, with nothing more than a hammer and, and a piece of wood. You know, you could hollow out a tree stump, and you could, you could, make, you could make a fender. You could make a whole car in that, in that process. But it's a long, uh, strenuous process. It's not, it's not something that most people would, would be willing to, uh, to do. But it's been done. It's been done many times, and you could do it that way. And so I started out metal shaping with minimal tools. I didn't have the money you know, to buy better tools. I didn't have the, the confidence in my work to even think that I deserved that kind of equipment. So I started out the hard way, and I, and I, and I would make panels on a, you know, just a hammer and a little handmade English wheel. After a while, I made my own English wheel. And then after a while, I bought an English wheel, and and then after I felt like I was kind of seeing that thing to its, uh, you know, to its limits, then uh, I said, you know what, maybe I should treat myself to a uh, power hammer. So I, I bought a power hammer, and that has made the work um, go a little bit faster. It's a little bit uh, kinder to my body. I don't go home, you know, aching as much as I did when I was working with, you know, by hand. So that's that's the advantage to it. So I mean, it, it does get the work done faster. But anything you could do with that with that tool, you can do with very simple tools if you have the time and the will to, to do it. But like for instance, the uh, the fender that, that you're talking about on your '55 Chevy, that takes complex stamps to do that. And and when General Motors made that car, they knew that they would make millions of cars, and for that they were able then to invest in tooling that can make those kinds of shapes. If I were to make it on my power hammer or on an English wheel or something, I can do it for you, but it's going to take me a really long time, and it would probably be multiple pieces welded together to, to, uh, to achieve that, 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 that same shape. We'd, so, we'd be getting about the third fender by now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd, you'd be on your, on your third 1955 Chevy by now. So, right. yeah. yeah, so that's the reason why cars aren't made that way. But, you know, uh, concept cars and coach-built cars... Uh, are are made that way, and and even even today, that's that's a uh, you know a, a process that does happen, and people are still using it now. Tell me a little bit about my next two guests that are going to be on in the next segment. I look at the front of your T-shirt, and it Great. says the Tuckers. Yeah. Um, what, what's what's that about? Who okay. are you working with? Uh, well, real quick, my my family has a history that goes back to 1947. My grandfather was a dealer for the Tucker Motor Car in Yonkers, New York, and uh, so with that, we have Tucker. We have a love for Tucker in our blood. And so now we're able to take that love for Tuckers and our abilities to make cars and combine them. And I'm very fortunate to have great friends, Sean and Mike Tucker, here today. And they are the great-grandsons of Preston Tucker. And these guys are brilliant, just like their great-grandfather was. And they are helping me 
um, see this concept car that, that uh, Preston Tucker uh, called the Tucker Torpedo. He dreamed of it in 1946. He never was able to make the car. And if you see the movie, you'll see that he had an original concept car in his mind. Jeff Bridges played Preston Tucker. It's a Francis Ford Coppola movie. And uh, he dreamed of a car, and little by little that car got chipped away for a lot of different reasons, and then they went and moved on to a, uh, a production model. So these guys are here today to explain all about the Tucker Torpedo and what it takes for us to make that car by hand. Cool beans. We're going to talk to them next. If the, if the listeners want more information, it's robidaconcepts.com. Exactly. That's it. Perfect. Listen, thank you for being here, sir. You are, you are a jeweler. Thank you're, you you're very my, much. You're my favorite watchmaker. <laughs> I really appreciate you being Thanks. here. Thanks. I'm Ron Anani, The Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the the Car Doctor live at Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Weekend. The next interview is going to be really kind of strange. You know, I've, I've, I've heard of twins being interviewed on radio, but the last person I know that did it was Howard Stern. Obviously, I am not he. Um, and the two gentlemen I'm about to interview, well, they're probably not as cute as the twins that Howard interviews. Um, Sean and Michael Tucker are the great-grandsons. And jump in here anytime, fellas, if I'm wrong, but are the great-grandsons of Preston Tucker. And it's it's really kind of a kick talking to these two because well let me ask him which one of you guys does the does the most work? <laughs> it depends on what kind of work you're talking about. So well, Sean's Sean's always focused more on the engineering and I focus more on the business side and that was always our plan to someday make something out of those two. So, well, yeah. you you guys seem to be doing it. Um, just what exactly are the Tucker boys up to now? Uh, so probably I mean the what, the biggest project we have going on right now is uh, is with Rob Ida, who I think we just heard from um, the the Tucker Torpedo, which is the the concept car for the Tucker Forty Eight. I guess the production car, if there right. ever was. Right. But uh, we're uh, we're involved in helping Rob and in, in the crew get uh, all the engineering and, and uh, you know support from the family and design and, and every all the directional type now, stuff. Correct. Being the great grandsons of, of of Preston Tucker like that, do you have access in in the family? I mean, do you have access to the blueprints and the drawings and the so we 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 do i guess relative to the 48 the production car but when we're talking about the torpedo you you kind of quickly run out of of information so there was a lot of uh concept sketches but not really any engineering so that's kind of all all has to be done for this car so so which one of you is doing that I, I'm doing Sean that. Sean, yeah, well, yeah, me and me and a team of other people as well. Right. So it's, it's uh, but uh, we're we're doing all the engineering for pretty much every piece of the car, and it's got a lot of difficult aspects. So, unlike the uh, the production Tucker, it's center drive, which presents some challenges right. relative to getting in and out. Right. It has a fender's turn with the wheels, so there's a lot of these these pretty complicated systems that we have to figure out. You know, on a, on a one-off basis. Which now, is, is is the hope here to produce one, to produce ten, to produce a hundred? I mean, uh, what's the? I think that there will only be one. So yeah. it's, uh, and that's, um, I think working with Rob, the, the passion is really just to to create something that didn't exist, and and making another one. I don't think would would do would do any more for the story. Either that, or you probably just wouldn't hold up. You'd you'd, you'd be a little grayer and a little older by then. <laughs> Michael, are you gonna you're gonna do the you're gonna do the marketing for this car when this 
when this story comes out? Yeah, the plan has always been, uh, you know, so I've uh, I've got a lot of history in, in uh, business. So uh, once things are ready to go, I'll be doing marketing and business and things like that uh, for, for the project. Yeah. Well, while, while Sean's doing all the, that's right. the, the that's easy right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. Somebody's yeah. got to get dirty. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. now okay. does work. I just got to ask you, you guys, are, you guys are like identical twins. I still can't tell you which yes, one's which. Yes, 100% identical. Uh, one's got a black shirt, one's got a red shirt. They both say Tucker. You know, the funny um, part is we had, to, we had to coordinate this morning so we didn't wear the same shirt, so we yeah. didn't look exactly when you guys went to high school, like it was together. Could you like fool the teachers on who was in what class, or did they split you up on purpose? Uh, they, they split us up. We never really tried to play that yeah. trick. We probably could have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we've had our share of fun with it. Uh, it makes you want to go back, right? See, I gave you guys. Yeah, an it does. Idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of Tucker. I've seen the movie a million times. And I've got to tell you, I look at you two, and I see that gleam in your eye. I think you guys will do this. <laughs> well, thank you. And if we here at the Car Doctor can do anything to help you, you need any more press, you're always welcome back. We can talk about this and uh, put you back up on air and uh, oh, always cool. always help you in any which way we can. Oh, I did right. want to mention we are, uh, we're actually doing a showing of the Tucker movie in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We're going to have one of Rob Ida's hot rods there. Uh, next Sunday, on, it's September 11th at 5.30. Cool beans. Well, listen, yeah. you know what? We're on in Pennsylvania. You never know who might yeah. show up. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so uh, come out know, and see we're, us. We're just everywhere. But uh, <laughs> as a, a great pleasure, really. And you guys are a tribute to the Tucker legacy. And uh, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Welcome. I'm Ron and in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, we are winding it down this hour here at the Wild Hot Rod Weekend, Dead Man's Curve in Mawa, New Jersey at the Sheridan Crossroads. And to help me wind things down, nobody better than Mike Hickey, a uh, Dead Man's Curve founding member, I think, or you're one of the uh, long-term members. Long-term, long-term but member. not founding. Not founding, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I see we have the sonic drags going on in front of us. Absolutely. Um, we will be uh, running the uh, muffling wrapping contest, uh, rap contest shortly, and uh, so we're going to hear a lot of noise uh, over the next few minutes here. Uh, we're, we're off the air in a couple of three, four minutes, so hopefully they uh, they wait because I think the listeners, well, then again, it might not be a bad thing. See, this is a moment where the listeners want to have that race car in a spray can so they could kind of spray the house and listen to the cars. It would be like spending a day at the drag strip. Absolutely. Now, you smell that fuel in the air? Yeah. Can you imagine that's what the 60s were like, right? That it was just all the time. You know, you, you go to a drag strip or you, or, or uh, you know a car show like this, and you get that aroma, and it right. just make, it takes you back. Right. Um, you know, the old alcohol uh, dragsters and the nitro. And, and, and even the VP and the other fuels, the high-octane uh, 110 and so on that's out there, it just, you love to smell that stuff. It just takes you back. And then it brings you forward because you realize, and I get a sense of that as I look at the cars that are here today, Mike, and it's just too big a description to even begin to mention, but you look at the cars today, they all look alike. They all look like hard hats going down the road with four tires. They yeah. just there's, there's nothing descriptive about them. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, growing up in the 60s uh, and being involved as long as you and I have been, uh, there's lifelong lasting impressions in our minds of what we feel a hot rod or, or you know, a, a muscle car and so on, a custom that should be. And, and as you look around here, uh, you just see hundreds of different, if you will, flavors of these cars. 
Um, you know, many of them personalized, maybe by color or by just uh, different drive lines, and, and there's just so much that brings it together. And, and again, our, our show and our whole club has always been a 1972 and older. Uh, so we, we've tried tried to keep that that style and so on, and not introduce the, these newer cars that, at least in, in my opinion, don't doesn't have the the the, the, um, the, the soul. The, yes, or the, or the appeal. Doesn't have the spirit. There's there's yeah. just something different. You, you, you know what's here? As I look out, there's family here. There's kids well, here with their mom and dad. You know, that, that's what we promote. I mean, first of all, we, we, we've been friends and, and and we bring our friends and friendship and family first, and then from there we go on to and, and we promote that. This is a, a, a children friendly environment, and, and 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 you know, if one kid out here gets the bug today and wants to build an old car. Uh, we, we've done a good thing. Well, and you know, if one kid out here gets the bug and wants to build a car, and he's not on the streets, and he doesn't end up with some of the bad things that are out there and some of the bad choices, this, you know what, one thing I learned about building hot rods and working on cars all my life, it's the confidence builder. Absolutely. And, and the, the, the satisfaction to be able to get in there and start that engine the first time and hear it roar yeah. and drive it. Like, uh, like, like nothing, just you can't describe it. Mike Hickey. Dead Man's Curve. We're glad to be here with you. As always, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding all of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.